and welcome back to the next episode of Lace Up and Listen. I'm your host, Amelia Uphill, aka The Uphill Runner, and as a mum to one-year-old Max and aspiring marathon runner, I'll be sharing insights about how to juggle mum duties while still finding time for running. Each week, I'll bring you a conversation with a different inspiring expert guest to help you maximise your training, whether you're a new mum returning to running postnatally or building up to running marathons and more. There'll be a new episode available every week to keep you company throughout your training or to relax with on a rest day. My guest for this episode is Alison Marie Helms, a pre and postnatal qualified personal trainer and running coach and mum of two children. We're going to be chatting about how new mums can optimise their training to become more efficient and stronger runners by focusing less on running and more on specific strength training exercises to rebuild key muscle groups needed for running. We also discuss what a typical training week could look like, in particular for busy mums looking to get back into running and staying strong. Hello, thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Let's get straight on to the first question. Uh, I want to ask you when or how you first got interested in running or got uh, or started running. Um, well, I started really young with my mom, actually. She ran um, well, through her pregnancy with me and continued running on after for a very long time through my childhood and invited me to come along with her and her running friends um, probably when I was about nine or ten. Um, and I ran my first you know, long distance race at 11 um, in just like a seven miler. Uh, race then so and to be honest I didn't love it (laughs) at first you know just one of those things that I did with my mom and I enjoyed it sometimes and it was what it was but I got into running a little bit more seriously in high school I played soccer and then when it got to high school I I cut it down cut soccer out and just wanted to do sprinting I thought that that would be you know a fun thing to do it would be shorter workouts and I was not good at it at all. I am not a sprinter. I'm not fast. Um, my coach basically was like, how about you do long distance and cross country? So I ended up there. I was decent at it, but I never had that like athletic push to really give it all in my workouts. I would skim a little bit off the top in my, um, you know, the track workouts that the coach was giving us. I think it was because I didn't, I didn't really have a good why um, attached to why I was doing the workouts. It was just like, ah, I'm going to just do this sport because, you know, I'm supposed to be doing a sport and whatever. <laughs> uh, so I finished out high school like that. And then a group of friends in grad school decided they wanted to uh, run a half marathon. So I was like, sure, I will do it. Um, but never a marathon. Like that was just beyond what I could imagine myself doing in my life. Um, and I don't know, I caught the bug from there. I, I did the half marathon. I performed a lot better than I expected. I've come to realize that my body is built much more, the longer the distance, the better I do. Um, I'm not built for speed. And I was addicted at that point and, you know, half marathon after half marathon and finally decided I'm going to do that marathon that I said I would never do. And um, shortly after that first marathon, 
I was, again, pretty pleased with my performance and sitting around having some a few beers with my significant other. And I asked him if he thought that um, I could qualify for Boston. I only, air quotes, like had to shave 20 minutes off of my time. And he laughed at me. So that was like a challenge for me. And I think that's the point in my life that I became like obsessed with it. Um, read all the books. I hired a coach at for the first time at that point in my life. Um, and just a few months later, I ended up qualifying for Boston. So that was the start of the addiction. It took me a while to get back here in terms of like as a running coach. I was in grad school for uh, chemical engineering at the time. I finished that out. I went on to teaching. Um, but that bug was always in the back of my mind and ended up here eventually. And what was your, where was your first marathon? Do you remember? What was the experience like of that very first one? So my first marathon actually was Boston. But shh, don't tell. I know this is going to be put out to everybody, but my, I had a friend who had qualified for Boston, but she was suffering from um, like a case of plantar fasciitis that she just could not get rid of. And she had offered me to run with her number. I was supposed to run a different marathon in Albany, Georgia <laughs> in the US like um, a month or so before that, but I had a uh, ovarian cyst burst like the week before the race. So I decided not to do that race, but I was like fully trained for the marathon. So she was like, here, do it. And so I'm from Boston. So I flew up to Boston um, and did the Boston marathon. And then I was like, I need to be back here like running it under my own name. <laughs> <laughs> so I did and how did you find the the atmosphere the experience oh that was the best I mean nothing compares to the Boston Marathon experience I mean I haven't done any of the other big marathons that are like that as well but just the crowds of people cheering the being from Boston I had been on the other side of it I had been there watching part of like the marathon Monday. I mean, it's a holiday for us. Like nobody works. It's, it's a, it's a thing. So being, being part of that was just awesome. And is there anything, a running goal that you're working towards at the moment or that you think that I've got to do that one day and you think it's still in the back of your mind, something that you're working towards? Um, so I want to, someday qualify for Boston again. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm working towards that specifically right now. Um, I have a one and a half year old and I don't think that we're necessarily done adding to our family. I think we're actually going to start in the process of starting trying for one more right now. So it just doesn't make sense to me to go after that goal at the moment. So right now I'm working on building a really solid base, working on my form um, and, and all the like fundamentals um, so that when I get to the point where I feel like I can devote the time because, you know, training for a marathon does take time um, to that. Yeah, I want to qualify for Boston again and run it at least one more time. Um, and then I have the idea of maybe an ultra in the back of my mind, but who knows on that. Oh my gosh, yeah. Every time that somebody does one distance that like I speak to, they say, like you said at the beginning, I'll do a half marathon, but that's that's my limit. And then you do the half marathon or a few and you think, oh, maybe I'll do a marathon. Now you've done a marathon, you think, oh, maybe I'll do an ultra marathon. Like at the moment, I think 
I'd love to do a marathon. I've got a couple that I really, really have on my bucket list. But then I think there's no way I would ever, ever do an ultra. But now I think maybe someday in the future, that'll, that'll be me looking back thinking, I can't believe I ever said that. I bet. Well, I think that's the thing about runners. I, there, There's part of it that is, you know, loving it because we're seeing what our bodies are capable of. And then when we realize what our bodies are capable of, we're like, oh, well, what else am I capable of, you know, and the, the thrill of that and the challenge of that, I think, is is part of the joy of running. Right. Shall we talk a little bit about um, improving your running, but without necessarily running more? Um, so, for example, can you go through any benefits of using tools or extras such as maybe a foam roller? Do you think that there are any any benefits to using things, extra tools like that uh, after you're running or between running? So my perspective on the foam roller and all stretching and mobility in general is probably different than uh, what we're generally told and here. I honestly don't believe that we need to foam roll as much as it is given. And it's in my mind, a foam roller is not necessarily the recovery tool that it's touted as. I use a foam roller for a very different application. So as runners, if we can kind of back up a little bit and think about like why we're foam rolling in the first place and, and the idea is, is maintaining mobility and recovery and, and that kind of thing. As runners, we need a certain set of mobility and, you know, we need a certain we need to be able to extend our hips behind us. So we need mobility in the hip flexors. We need to be able to like, dorsiflex at the ankle so our knee can travel over our foot um, so that we can then push off the toe and propel ourselves forward. So we need ankle mobility. We need mobility in our feet. We need mobility in the hip flexors to get that hip extension. But if we have enough, air quotes, like that what enough means for everybody is not exactly the same. If we have enough in that, we don't necessarily need more and that feeling of of tightness that we're trying to to foam roll out um, may be actually a symptom of of lack of strength or improper positioning of the body as we move and then foam rolling isn't really changing those things but it does have uh, what's the word I'm looking for it does have the potential to change those things if we use it the right way so I actually use foam rolling at the beginning of a strength workout I think that's the way it's most effective because the idea is you use the foam roller to affect your mobility in a way that then with a strength workout you are working your muscles within that new range of mobility that you've created using the foam roller. And that's what makes it stick. That's what builds on, you know, being able to improve your running by getting stronger. And then at the end, you won't feel as tight and sore and you won't feel like you need the foam roller. It's kind of like a comfort tool at the end, but I don't think it really does a whole lot, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah, I have to admit, I have a foam roller that I got for my birthday one year. I don't think I've ever used it because I don't really, first of all, I don't really know what I'm doing with it. And then secondly, I don't want to do something that's not quite right. I'm a bit nervous to try 
using these different tools and things. And then another thing is that I can be quite guilty of neglecting things like strength training and saying, oh, I'd rather go for another run instead. But why is it that that strength training is important for runners and it shouldn't be something that we keep dropping off our to-do list? The issue with it, I hear that all the time, I, you know, I, and I'm guilty of it as well. I just want to run. And even my runners who have been working with me for a while, they still admit that the strength training isn't their favorite part. But you know, if you commit to doing it in a way that directly supports your running, just not like any old strength training, you will feel the benefits over time. And then you're like, oh, okay. You know, like I can, I I feel the benefits of this. I'm going to keep doing this. But if you're never get to the point where you're consistent at doing it, um, you're never going to really reap the benefits of it. And it's always going to be that thing in the back of your head. Like, I know I should be doing, but... (laughs) Um, it takes getting consistent at doing, I don't like saying the right things, but at doing the important pieces of strength training for runners. And what's your favorite thing to do? Your favorite way to either help improve either speed or endurance or form without actually just going out and running more and practicing? Without beating the dead horse, strength training. But again, very like specific. I don't necessarily... I I talk a lot about not training muscles so much as positions. So if you think about when you are running, what movements you need and what positions you need to be able to get into, and then training, getting strong in those movements and positions. So for example, um, you know, if you think about where you are in mid stance of your running gait, what you want to be able to be doing with your body. If you're in mid stance on your left leg, your left oblique, like that side of your muscle needs to be engaged. Your um, need to be able to internally rotate on that left leg. You need to be able to like basically put your whole center of mass over that leg and load it. So doing exercises like um, split squats, like a a lunge squat with um, focusing on getting your center of mass over that leg is one of the best tools for for runners. Like we hate them, (laughs) split squats, and and not any old lunges, but really doing them in a way that is getting your center of mass over that leg is huge. And I feel like if you can master mid stance, a lot of the rest falls into place. You know, we need to, a lot of conversation for runners and form is talking about, you know, how should your foot strike the ground in front of you? But I think if you can master mid stance and then from there propel yourself forward with hip extension using those hamstrings, which I'll talk about in a second that landing almost takes care of itself because your your you know center of mass is over your body you're propelling yourself forward you don't feel like you're trying to like catch up to anything with your legs um hamstrings are another huge important piece of that i think a lot of runners feel like they have tight hamstrings but i would say the majority of the time that is not the case they may feel tight but that is a symptom of not being strong enough or and or um, the position of your pelvis. So if you um, think about, if you like put your hands on your hips, 
um, on your hip bones and like rock your pelvis forward so that you're kind of like um, hinged forward over your your quads and a little bit of um, hip flexion. Your hamstrings are lengthened. A lot of us, now this is an ex- like extreme position, example of it if we're hinging forward but a lot of us live in that position if we're sitting a lot we're living in that position if we have a like anterior pelvic tilt um, which happens a lot <laughs> with us who like during pregnancy and carry babies those hamstrings just get over lengthened they're not doing their job to hold the pelvis in position and then we're not getting good hip extension to propel us forward when you're running. So like the two main things I would say for runner strength training are hamstrings from a good, like getting your pelvis in a good position um, and then split squats really loading over that single leg. And when I say um, like a good exercise for hamstrings, um, would be like a bridge, but instead of, um, for those of you listening, if you want to try it, you do a bridge, but you put your feet like on the wall, just the balls of your feet. So let your heels kind of hang up off the hover over the wall. And then you're not in like a 90 degree at your knees. You're kind of long. So if you flipped your body on the side, you would, it would actually kind of look like you look when you're standing in mid stance of a run. Your knee is slightly bent, but not bent all the way. And just the ball of the foot is on the ground. And then if you pull, not on the ground, rather the wall. And then if you pull down, leave the foot where it is, but imagine pulling down the wall in that position, you'll feel those hamstrings engage right at the bottom of your pelvis, the very top of the hamstrings, and then use those hamstrings to tuck yourself up into a bridge. All runners should be doing that exercise. Sounds like something I need to be doing more of. <laughs> you just touched on very briefly there a little bit about how it, how pregnancy, etc., might affect your running form and, or things that you need to be aware of. Are there other particular sessions or particular moves or um, things that people who are either pregnant or just had their babies, postnatal women, might be recommended to do again if they're just thinking about getting back into running, they want to get stronger or they want to keep strong throughout their pregnancy? Yeah, well, number one thing of I would recommend all women at least one time during their pregnancy and at least one time postpartum going to see a pelvic health specialist. And, you know, in the UK, I think we call it something different. Uh, pelvic health physio, I think you would call it. Yeah, I've heard people talking about um, pregnancy MOTs as well, or, post, uh, or mummy MOTs or postnatal MOTs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they can really be helpful um, in setting up like a baseline during pregnancy to see like where where you are at and then in postpartum in measuring you know the strength of both your pelvic floor and your core those things as you can imagine when you're carrying a baby inside of you um, can that system gets just completely disrupted. (laughs) Um, And there's a a lot of weight down onto the pelvic floor as you're carrying the baby. Um, Even if you have a C-section delivery, the pelvic floor can experience some level of um, injury or trauma or just overload. Um, And then the core is, you know, your abs get completely stretched out over that time. And what's important for 
without getting like into a ton of detail, being able to breathe effectively using your diaphragm. Diaphragm comes down, you expand through your ribs and your belly, the pelvic floor relaxes on an inhale. And then on exhale, the pelvic floor comes back up, the abs, deep abs engage and the diaphragm comes back up. That system is incredibly important for um, being able to first stabilize your body as you move um, and also the rotation of your torso, that counter rotation of your up, you know, your torso with your lower body as you run is so important for absorbing the shock as you move um, and propelling yourself forward. So again, that system just gets disrupted. So what you can do first off um, it is work that kind of stuff. So, you know, I know my system of breathing and my connection to my pelvic floor and diaphragm is going to get disrupted. So starting off working on building up a robust system so that when it gets disrupted, it's not, you're starting from a better place to begin with, if that makes sense. Um, and then um, just learning to breathe Pregnancy, if you do it during pregnancy, that's ideal. If you didn't, if you're postpartum and you you haven't really done that yet, getting that good deep diaphragmatic breath in a way that your ribs are nicely stacked over your pelvis. So if you kind of stand in that like pelvic tilt that I talked about before, you put your hands on your hips in you know, tilt your pelvis forward, you notice that your like ribs are thrust up and your pelvis is thrust down that's not a stacked core. That means your diaphragm is going one way, you know, your breath, breathing diaphragm is going one way and your pelvic floor is going a different direction. That system's not talking to each other. And that happens during pregnancy, that anterior pelvic tilt, it's pretty much unavoidable, but if we can be cognizant of that and maintain as much of it as possible, that um, can be really helpful. And honestly, again, hamstrings are a huge part of that because the hamstrings, they sit on the back of the pelvis and they pull the pelvis back out of that forward tip. Um, but the, and the other piece, I know I'm sort of like, there's so many pieces I could go on and on <laughs> about this topic. So hamstrings, core, core being your breathing. And then hip um, rotation. So we all have these like underlying imbalances and hip rotation. So if you kind of bend your knee up and then you can rotate your foot like out to the side, that's internal rotation. And then you rotate your foot into the middle like you're going to sit like we say crisscross applesauce or like um, butterfly sit. That's external rotation. External rotation is sort of like the exercises we do clamshells and lateral band walks and all of those things. I think runners, like we have that covered. But with um, pregnancy, you can imagine the pregnancy waddle, you know, we like our feet go out, we duck walk, like almost more of a side to side waddle instead of a like over the foot step. If you can kind of picture that in your mind, we're missing internal rotation. So regaining that ability and working on your ability to internally rotate from day one in pregnancy um, 
or working on regaining it from day one, maybe not day one, because rest, relax, take care of your baby. But like when you're day one of getting back into exercise, reworking on internal rotation, because that again is what you need to load through mid stance. And if you can load effectively through mid stance, all the rest like takes care of itself. So not as much lateral band walks, not as much um, clamshells and more maybe squeezing something between your knees um, as you squat or as you do your bridges to really open up that pelvic outlet and get internal rotation of that leg. I mean, simple things like um, reverse clamshells are an example of, of internal rotation too, but I really like the the squeezing a block or a ball between your legs with things like your standard exercises because it's like multiple bang for your buck too. Like if you're going to do squats anyways, squeeze a block between your knees and, and really work that internal rotation that you need. Or if you're doing deadlifts anyway, squeeze a block between your knees and really work that internal ra- internal rotation that you need and so on. I like doing my air quote unquote like rehab exercises as part of strength training exercises whenever possible because you know we want to be as efficient as possible because a we want to get on with it and get on to running but also like when we were talking about mothers we don't have a lot of time that's exactly what I was going to say to you how often should we be trying to fit these in around our running if we're if mums are already struggling to find that time for them to go out and have and go for a run how often should they be trying to do these extra bits of strength training to make that running more efficient to improve that running if you're working on improving your strength or increasing your strength at least two times a week which i know like maybe sounds a lot if you're not doing any at all but it doesn't need to be like these super long strength training sessions you can get a lot done in 30 minutes if you do include just the right pieces. You don't need to do like all of the things all of the time. A few key exercises like we talked about, like getting those split squats, um, some squats for overall, you know, strength, getting your hamstrings with those like nice long lever bridges on the wall and um, some maybe deadlifts for working that hip extension so you can really push off and get you the propulsion once you've mastered that mid stance like those are the key things of course we incorporate some upper body a because we have an upper body we can't like completely neglect it but um it doesn't need to be a huge part of your of your strength training and would that be on non-running days would you say try and do that on the same day you run or need some rest days in between or how would it all fit into a week um, it depends on a lot of things. It depends on how often you are running. I don't necessarily think that we need to be running any more than three or four days a week um, at most. It, I mean, I, I think sometimes we want to, um, but scaling back the running to fit in the strength training and then um, maybe scaling back back the running up once you've built a base because once you have like a good strength base to maintain that strength you can get away with doing it once a week but you know we have to focus on it for a little while at first and there's one thing that's important to to know is that your cardiovascular endurance gains are going to happen faster than your muscular 
gains, muscular strength, endurance gains. So, you know, there's a huge benefit to maybe taking away some of your running in order to fit in some of those strength training so that you can realize the gains that you're making with your running faster. So as far as fitting it in like on certain days or if you're doing two a days like a strength training session and a running session, I recommend doing the strength training session first and then the running session if it's a run that you really want to get something out of that run as well, like eight hours later in the day. I know that that is not like an ideal ideal situation. So when I have my runners who are doing both on the same day, I have them do strength training first, followed by a very easy run. You can pair easy run days with your strength training um, if you need to for your, for your schedule. Um, but I wouldn't recommend doing like a hard run and a strength training session on the same day and would you recommend having days where it's just a complete rest day where you're just you're not doing any specific kind of exercise you're just being a mom or whatever yeah I know which can be an endurance sport in itself (laughs) um but no if of course yeah I recommend at least one full rest day I know my body needs two I need two days of rest. Now, some of those days I do active rest. I'll go for a walk. I almost walk every day because my child needs to just get out of the house and we have cabin fever if we don't. Um, But yeah, at least one, if not two days of rest. It depends on where you are like in your training. If you're just beginning back, you need more rest, less training. If you have a good base, then you can get away with less rest because like the easy runs and the easy mileage they're not as much stress on your system as they are when you're returning to running postpartum for example and you haven't been running for a couple of months or maybe longer depending if you run in your pregnancy yeah because even if you run all the way up to your due date I mean you really should not be back to running um I mean, the recommendation, the general recommendation is, is 12 weeks postpartum. Um, so that's, that's three months off. Now, some people can get away with um, returning earlier. I have a like checklist of ways of knowing if your body is ready. So it's, it's checking ways to check and see if your core is ready, your pelvic floor is ready. And then also you need to be strong enough to run. So some, some strength exercise like metrics um, they can go through now some people hit those metrics at at 10 weeks and I'll, I'll be honest it, I was postpartum when the pandemic happened I was <laughs> yeah, my son was born and then four weeks later so I had this like oh, I need to run <laughs> like feeling about it so I went back and started about 10 weeks postpartum but I made sure that, you know, I met those metrics before. Mm, Of course, every pregnancy, every birth is different and every recovery is different. So it's about knowing your body, I suppose, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) And I did not. I have two children and I did not do that after my first. I didn't really know any of this stuff about strength training for runners. I mean, back then I thought that, you know, standing on one foot doing bicep curls and like, a couple of clamshells was all I needed <laughs> for for strength training for runners. But I um 
I went back to running about seven weeks postpartum and I peed my pants like the entire time and I just kept going. And I, it took me years to admit that that was a problem and like finally do something about it. But now that I have the foundations that I wish I built <laughs> way back then, but I've built since then, I'm a much stronger runner. Hmm. At least, yeah, you've learned the lessons from the, from the times before. What would you say is your um, best piece of advice or your top tip for someone who's had their baby, they want to start getting back into running, they haven't started yet, they're not quite sure, what's your best piece of advice for that person there who's itching to get out there um, but wants to be an efficient runner and and get stronger again? Can I give two? Because I'll give one practical and then one like not necessarily practical, but more mindset. The first thing is more mindset and it is you need to let go of that ego, let go of that, like what I used to be doing, what I should be doing, comparing yourself to the runner that you potentially used to be. You can come back stronger than before. I personally, that's been my experience with myself, but it takes and with a lot of the athletes that I coach, but it takes time. And the most common cause of injury and pain or pelvic floor symptoms postpartum is too much too soon. So really taking the time to build up the base is important. And to be able to do that, you need to let go of that ego and that let go of that like where I'm supposed to be now, where I used to be as a runner feeling. Um, And you cannot compare yourself to, uh, you mentioned this um, just a little while ago, everybody's journey is different and you cannot compare yourself to like the postpartum runners on Instagram or if you're running during pregnancy, the pregnant runner hashtags on Instagram, those can be, they can really mess with your, with your mind because, you know, you're, you're supposed to be, air quotes, listening to your body and taking it slow. And then you see this chick on Instagram and she's four weeks postpartum and just ran like seven miles. And you're like, what the heck? (laughs) Right? So that needs to be something you just, and it's hard. It is really hard, but that's the most important piece. Um, And then when it, it, it comes down to like practice, what to do in returning to running postpartum um, and also returning to running after after any time off really is um, strength training first because as I mentioned the cardiovascular gains are going to um, happen faster than the muscular gains we need to make sure that we're setting ourselves up for success so that once we start building in those the cardio the runs our body can handle it because again, too much too soon is the main cause of running pain and injury. And then once you begin the actual running, starting with run-walk intervals. So um, like couch to 5K type things. People who are more seasoned runners, I think, get really frustrated with couch to 5K specifically because it feels so slow. I use like a, um, a milestone approach. So you know, a first we build up to being able to run one minute on, one minute walk, eight times. Don't start with eight, maybe 
start with four, five, six, depending on how you feel, working your way up to being able to do that eight times without any pain, without any symptoms during the run and the next day. Or one of the big telltale signs for me when I did too much was like lifting my leg up uh, in the shower to shave my legs and uh, just that like a pain in my pelvic floor. Um, paying attention to how you feel after the workout as well, because it's going to feel so good to get back out there. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be hard, but it's going to feel so good to get back out there. And then progressing intentionally from there, then to two minutes on, one minute off, and then back up to running more sustainably. Because that, it may feel slow, like you're making slow progress, but that's how you get back to 100 or 110% um, with your running. Okay, thank you so much. Um, finally, is there anywhere, if people want to learn more about uh, um, um, any of the things that you've mentioned, can they find you on Instagram or your website or where can people go to learn more? Yes, Instagram is where I am the most active. Um, and then you can find the links to my website and everything else from there. It's Alison Marie PhD. So Alison with one L and an I. So A L I S O N Marie PhD. And that's what, but that's my website.com. Um, that's where I am on Instagram. And that's where you find me on Facebook as well. But I'm not active on Facebook, really. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing all that, all those detailed explanations and the examples. I think that's uh, going to be really useful for listeners and for me as well. Yeah, I want to. When it comes to all of the like resources I mentioned, like the checklist, and I have um, a, a pregnancy workout guidelines, and some actually even something to do in the interim before you're cleared to exercise postpartum to prepare yourself for running, and all of those are free resources on um, my website, and you can again get to that through Instagram is the easiest way. Amazing, brilliant! Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Whether you're a new mum thinking about starting your postpartum exercise journey or you're working your way through Couch to 5K, if you've got a new post-baby PB or you're listening along on a gentle jog, share your experiences using the hashtag LaceUpAndListen to be with a chance of featuring on next week's episode as our LaceUpAndListener of the week. Maybe you've been inspired by Alison to cut out a run session this week and instead use the time for some strength training using the exercises she suggested. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share and leave a review. If you have suggestions for potential topics or future guests, then I'd love to hear from you too. You can contact me on Instagram or tag the Uphill Runner or use the hashtag LaceUpAndListen. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. There'll be another episode available next week at the same time. If you can't wait that long, don't forget you can still download and listen to all the previous episodes, including from Series 1 and 2. Looking forward to running with you next time! Music